Welcome to episode 13 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and I'm open to constructive criticism at S-E-A-T-J-K. And with me is Chris, and where can the haters hate, Chris? I'm actually devastated by, by harsh criticism, but you can uh, give me that at C.D. Villasenor on the Beautiful. Twitter. All right, well, let's send Chris to therapy. <laughs> I, have a co- I have a cold in my nose tonight, so... I'm gonna apologize. I know, and we're like we're like it's uh, two on three after dark. We're we're well behind schedule tonight, and uh, <laughs> see what happens. Life got in the way. It happens with, in the podcasting world. I think this is probably the you know the number one detriment to podcasting. Yeah, when you're an unpaid broadcaster, it's hard to prioritize. <laughs> it's not like it's not like I have to clear that three million dollar check from NBC to get. No, on, I'll do four know. hours a day alone, like coward, if I had to do that. <laughs> It's like Jimmy, you think Jimmy Fallon has to like be pried out of his, you know, pried out of his bed in the morning to like go and do his show every day. I well, Fall- so. Fallon specifically, because, you know, he's like the drinky drinky. So maybe with him, he might have to get pried <laughs> out of bed. Maybe. Perhaps. All right. So on two on three podcasts, we allocate 10 minutes per topic and wrap up a little freestyle at the end of the show. Interact with us uh, on Twitter at two on three pod or email the show at two on three pod at gmail.com this week. We are going to explore the dangers of automation, uh, discuss how the rent is too damn high, and dive into why the NCAA is basically organized crime. We'll wrap up with a little bracket chatter, and according to Chris, specifically, why they're dumb. So for topic number one, Chris, uh, I, I threw it at you an old tweet that somebody had must have retweeted uh, just in my feed the other night, and it, it is a couple years old, but uh, uh, it's the tweet is from uh, at Bourgeois Alien. <laughs> The saddest part about self-driving cars will be all the times people die mid-trip and then your dinner guests or pizza guy will arrive dead. (laughs) Which is a genius tweet uh, by all measures. I definitely felt like uh, I was doing something wrong by laughing and laughing and laughing for 10 minutes about the idea of like your in-laws showing up to your house dead in the car. <laughs> well, considering considering 36,000 people like this particular tweet, you're not the only ones who reveled in the the in the um, the fake, you know, the the imagined death of these people who are driving their their Teslas <laughs> or whatever they're driving these days, their automated car. You know, the thing about self-driving cars I always assume is that when, when people are talking about it in those circumstances, it's sort of just now it's the standard, not like a Tesla situation, but rather more that everyone just a pod shows up and takes you somewhere. Right. And so like, can you imagine that you're making dinner plans and you're like, okay, grandma. So yeah, Christmas, ne- Christmas Eve, I'm going to send you the, you know, the pod, the pod will be there to pick you up and uh, go, uh, just go out there. And then she shows up at your house and the pod. Oh my up. God. <laughs> grandma. No. <laughs> You got to think that eventually after that happens, we're, we're going to move quickly to put some like sort of life support monitor situation in there. So it just goes to the EMS instead just of to go, your house. Just, just go straight to just go straight to the hospital. Yes. I think that, look, if we're holding it to the standard of the greatest automated car ever, you know, Kit, Kit would have taken, you know, Michael Knight straight to the ER should and then spit him out on the sidewalk or whatever Kit does. Well, Kit, you know, I, the interesting thing about Kit is that they weren't connected, though, right? There was no symbiosis there. But Kit would know if Michael Knight was dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would know if he was having a heart attack or having... What if know. he had an aneurysm and he thought he just went to sleep? <laughs> no, Kit would know. Kit would know. Just yeah, but, but Tesla's a little far away from that. Or, quote-unquote, the pod that picks you up. The pickup pod. Have we the, talked about this already on the show? That I'm looking forward to that? The pickup pod? Yeah. Just because you don't want to get in some stinky Uber 
Is that no, just is... because I want cars to be all in. I don't want to. I like driving, but I think that you you know cars should. Well, my theory on this, and I, I apologize for listeners if I'm repeating this, but my theory on this is that the first step in that technology will be that uh, you'll every car will have an integrated computer that it connects with all the other cars, and you will only be allowed to like drive within a certain radius of like a population center if your car has this thing. Um, cause you'll be manual drive outside of like the population zone. And then once you're inside of it, like the cars will just drive themselves because so the, freeway so traffic. That, so that they do this, they do this intricate little efficient dance inside the urban, inside the urban center. Yeah. Essentially they all know where they are. So you just like, have the computer running it like a, a network. Making it. So making your car a data packet. Yeah, essentially shuffling it through to wherever. So if I want to go to Nordstrom, it's just going to take me there. Right, exactly. But I can drive. I can drive right up to the point where I hit the city limit or whatever. Exactly, wherever the wherever the 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 computer system can now pick up your transponder and take control of your vehicle. I don't like it. You don't like it? No No. traffic. No commute traffic. (laughs) It's just you're going to get there. You don't have to deal with idiots and people who are going to try to, I don't know, you know, cut you off and do their makeup in traffic and shit. But it's going to make some shitty action movies, man. <laughs> how, how is, uh, the car chase that runs right to the edge of the city limit and then like turns into turns into, you know. No, see it's already it's, it's already been accounted for, right? Because in uh, in iRobot, he drives the the cars are all automated and then he takes over. Yeah. Well, you're the only one who saw iRobot, so I've seen it multiple times for some reason, too. <laughs> Good lord. Talk about talk about not an automated future I want to live in. But well, you know, I think that I think that this whole dying in the automated car piece sort of opens up dying in all kinds of automated ways, like dying and then being sucked up by your Roomba, or <laughs> or dying and being, you know, I was you always see those horrible. It's really the horrible thing that you're peering into is this dying alone business. Because right. there's always some horrible story about somebody dying alone and like not being discovered for days, or like, or their dog ate them, or some just horrible, heinous story about yeah, that's that's, that's about rough. Just being a just being someone who unfortunately passes away with no one around or no one in their life. This is this. I think that's what makes this tweet particularly <laughs> genius. Is the the just you died. And this car drove you around. <laughs> and it didn't matter. Like, it didn't matter whether you were alive or dead. It's pretty rough. It's a, it's existentially, it's a, uh, it's, it's a deep-seated fear that a uh, bourgeois alien has tapped into. Because no one wants to die in their recliner and then, and then be discovered by nobody for weeks or whatever it's terrible well assuming that uh, the human race you know gets through this next few dozen or months or so uh, alive and unscathed and the planet doesn't kill us first how long how far away are we from uh, sort of automated living quarters where you just like everybody lives in a little pod and maybe you share it with a family and then I don't know like you live in an apartment and you die in your apartment the fifth element yeah it just sucks you out the side and all your belongings (laughs) just, just Ejects you. Yeah, it just cleans it out. It just cleans it out. Shunk. You get sucked into the big thing. As, as long as it makes a, a very satisfying, like, shunk sound, like it, like, you're being, like, you know how, like, a mortar shell, like, sounds when you yeah, no, <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
cast you into the cast you into the uh, whatever into the abyss. So you really want the you really want your your death to have good foley work, right? It's it's very important. <laughs> I think it's the I think it, I think the life alert. There's a there's definitely a life alert Alexa combination coming soon. Yeah, where where it's keeping track of my my business, and then if I if I were to die, it just simply Alexa tweets my tweets tweets for me on my twi- on my twitter account chris you has have- died please come check on him <laughs> alexa do you have one of those uh self-surveilling devices in your home yeah i i love it i love it because the fact that that the government's listening to me and but we're boring as hell and so they stopped <laughs> so i've completely thrown them off my trail there's nothing going on yes I'm down with the surveillance, but this is going to be important because if I die and no one's around, you know, I need the Alexa. I need the I need the integration. So while we're on your pro surveillance state stance, did you see the story that MSG Madison Square Garden was secretly using facial recognition software on the entrances, people who are entering the premises? Really? Yeah. I like that part. Speaking of the automated world, I like that part of um, Minority Report where he steals that dude's eyes and he goes into that store and it says oh hey you like like these jeans or so you're for this so this is because totally... the amazon store too right yes. it scans your face and it knows who you are and then it just yes. charges you i want this i want this in my life i want to know that when i go to the store that they say oh hi chris i know you love cinnamon toast crunch it's on sale i mean like let me go get some of that and so you're just 100 percent in on trading all of your Civil liberties for convenience. It's not civil liberty. Marketing is not civil liberties. Well, no, but if you have facial recognition software installed in every store to do what you're talking about, to recognize you, make suggestions, bring to you the things that you like on sale, the same way yeah. that like Prime does now when you go to Amazon with sure. cookies, the way internet's work forever. But as soon as you bank it facial recognition, you are literally talking about every time you leave your house, it's an interaction with law enforcement. I... I mean, I, you're not a criminal, so I understand no. you're not worried about that. But don't, don't you to, feel like that has a larger ramifications that are no, bad? Because I go to the casino when I go to Las Vegas, and if you don't think they're fa- doing, they're running facial recognition on you there, then you're crazy. They're not even. They're not only are they running facial recognition on you, they put those hundred dollar bills out on the table like that to get to catch the serial numbers mm-hmm. on all, on all that money. Right. So I'm okay with that. And so, and yeah, I'm that's also, voluntary. You know that's happening. You want that everywhere, sure. everywhere you go. No, I want to opt in. I got I got to be. I want to be, be able to opt in to my automated future. I got a ticket the other day for a red light, a, uh, a ride on a oh. red light, where it was one of those intersections with no. Do you get the uh, camera? Do you get the camera? Yeah, shot? And I've never gotten one before. And like, I didn't even think I, I didn't even think I realized that I was doing it. I certainly didn't make an intentional decision. But I'll tell you what. Did it they was send early. you? The, did they send you the shot? Yeah. How'd you look? I'm not visible. It's only a shot of the rear of the car. <laughs> well, you could say it wasn't me. I know. That's the system. Well, I've just admitted to it on the internet, so we're going to have a problem with that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. It was, early, man, it was early in the morning. The it was early in the morning on the weekend, and I wasn't really I wasn't putting anyone in danger. And and I wasn't rolled, even doing it on purpose. But if I was doing it on purpose, I feel like it was entirely justified. Did you roll through? or you were No, not no, no. It was just a, a, it was a red, right on a red light where it was uh, there's just no red on red. It was blocked. There was a sign uh, that said no red on red. And I don't think I ever, ever noticed or saw that. Well, you know it now, don't you? Yeah, because I'm gonna have to pay 125 dollars because I accidentally took a right on a red light. And <laughs> oh, it was no accident. You just you did it. Well, that's you the thing; it. it definitely was an accident. So that's why I'm so bitter about it. Let me wrap up our automated future with this little-known thing that you may or may not know. 
about your postal service. They have this thing called service called informed delivery, where because the because the postal service is scanning your mail, they will send you a scan of all the mail you're going to receive that day, just in case people are stealing your mail. Yeah, it's free to you if you'd like to sign up, and then you can see what kind of mail you're getting in email before your U.S. postal mail gets to your house. How's that? Sounds Pretty like something I would look at for three days and immediately get annoyed that I was receiving. <laughs> I like seeing goofy bills and stuff in my email. Well, I don't want to run long, but after what? Since you bring up delivery, I just quick shout out to the guy who definitely doesn't listen to this podcast. There's one dude who brings packages to my house, and this dude this that that is different than all the other people that bring them to the porch that's covered and off the street, and homie just leaves it in the driveway. And I'm like, first of all, not covered, but from the elements. Second right. of all, if you put it behind the garage door and I back out, you asshole, I'm going to back over the box, <laughs> which has already happened once. So fuck you to that guy if you're listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he is. Because he, knows, because he knows where you live and he's fucking with you. My one expediters guy. <laughs> All right, so the next topic, I think we can uh, all agree that uh, everyone thinks the rent is too damn high. And we talk about this a lot on this podcast because we live in a, uh, a market where real estate is out of control. We've talked about uh, buying a teardown shack for half a million dollars. We've talked about the median home price now being more than three quarters of a million dollars, which is insanity. And uh, I got to be honest, I don't remember where I was going with this, but we are going to talk about the cost of living overall in Seattle going up, as well as the fact that uh, one of the biggest problems we have is a lack of uh, ability to develop because people who have already bought protest any additional development. So... So pick your poison on there. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, going into uh, some of the numbers, Seattle is 52.8% higher than the average in terms of cost of living in the United States. So that's relatively significant. It's not San Francisco, which is 91%, but or nor, is worth it, it. nor is it Honolulu, which is 88%, which I almost understand that if you lived in Hawaii that you'd have to pay more. Because well, yeah, I mean that's I, when I lived in Alaska. It just uh, a lot island. of staples are more expensive because of the, you have to everything has to be shipped in. Yeah, because there's no f- what could people aren't growing fresh produce in Alaska, <laughs> turning uh, petroleum into plastic. <laughs> right, you can't eat that. No, you can't eat it. Not yet. Not yet. But you, we live in a desirable area. As you, you know, I don't know what else to say about it. The when people want to live in your town supply goes down demand goes up prices go up i don't it's basic econ we have the biggest companies in the world the biggest hiring companies in the world right here right now yeah the uh there's no possible way housing is pacing with jobs and with you know with people moving in it would just be impossible so you get into this and so to bring your sort of NIMBY argument into this whole thing. It's people who have, you know, Seattle has this large... Wait, let's define NIMBY for those of us who don't know. NIMBY is the not-in-my-backyard <laughs> crowd. <laughs> and it's not their fault that Seattle was zoned for single-family homes all over the place. So right. if you've ever been to Seattle, folks, who are listening to this, this podcast, you'll know that near the city core... There is simply single-family housing, as close as right. Capitol Hill, as close as you know Queen Anne. Right. I mean, inside three, inside three to four miles from the core of downtown. 
Yeah. Which is almost unheard of. Right. But it's what gives our city personality in that regard. I don't know if you want to... If, if you go to San Francisco, you can see that they cut down all the trees and stacked up all the housing. Right. And that sucks. Yes. It's ugly. You know, I wonder what San Francisco must have looked like when the when the first missionaries showed up there. It must have been awesome. Oh, I'm sure it was insane. The bay with all those hills. Yeah. Yeah. It, and now it's just a big sea of treeless, gross, stack-on-stack houses. And honestly, the bay is dirty. It's hella dirty. <laughs> right. So now, So now tell me where the people in Seattle are wrong to say... Hey, maybe density isn't the answer. You know, maybe transit, maybe transit is more the answer. Not that I'm enjoying paying $12 million for my <laughs> ST3 on my tabs for, for ST3, but maybe transit is more the answer, or maybe, maybe there, maybe there should be more dense, dense cores or dense areas. I think I transit that. is definitely the answer. That's the segue I was actually going to make because I use the train as it, in it as it's constituted today, basically because coming from the outskirts of the city, I don't want to drive into the city. So more park and rides of the train option. Like if there's if it's easier for me to get downtown, and that's going to stimulate the downtown economy also because people from outlying areas who don't venture to the city, like myself, and I am less than ten miles from the downtown from downtown Seattle, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's like ten arduous miles, right? That's brutal. Yeah, and so I just don't go downtown unless I'm, like, sort of, even for entertainment for the most part, unless someone else is sort of saying, this is what we're doing. I don't really seek out entertainment in the downtown core, and it's something I would do if we had fully-fledged transportation that got out to the burbs. The only thing that the only thing that gets me downtown is my needs for, a you know, two deluxe and a fry. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm completely overcome by my need for the Dick's Drive-In and have to come into town. Yeah, it hasn't been great for me that uh, the place I, the way I tend to go downtown goes right by a, uh, a Dick's establishment. Because I have a tendency to say, oh, yeah, I'll grab some lunch before I head down for this. Or I'll grab some, I'll grab some food on the way home. That's the, that's the bad one. <laughs> that's the bad one. Yeah. The one where you're wadding it up and throw it in the trash on your way in the house. Well, yeah. I will tell you that I attended the Washington NIT basketball game tonight against Boise State, and you better believe that I had a Dick's Burger on the way home before I got on the, li- on the line with you. And I did wad it up and throw it in the garbage right as I walked to the garage door. <laughs> That's like a dream. It's every person's dream. But, the, uh, but yeah, I just avoid downtown like the plague. But I do not begrudge people who have single-family homes that don't want additional density in their neighborhoods. Well, how did you feel about the debate around like expanding the bridge and the people in the Richie Rich neighborhood not wanting the the, the bridge expansion to happen? <laughs> well, that's the. <laughs> there's going to be, I, there are that I think is different than, than people who, have appreciating housing. That um that that are waiting to cash in or not waiting to cash in because they like where they live. They live close to downtown. You know, they live in a house that perhaps they bought in the lows, low hundreds. Mm-hmm. And, but I think, I think it catches up with them eventually. I think people start to, I think, the, I think that, that, that prices will go to a point where people will start buying those houses and selling those houses and improving those neighborhoods, quote unquote, improving those neighborhoods. Because a lot of those houses just suck, right? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, you have to spend an absurd amount of money on a house that needs severe reconditioning. 
And I mean, obviously the one we looked at before or talked about before was an extreme example, but that said, it's like, I remember lamenting the fact where we bought our original house that we bought toward the high end of the market back in 2007, but it ended up working out because it's gotten so crazy again now, which it's very interesting because it's not for the same reasons. Um, there's not like a huge subprime mortgage crisis, but it's just that the, the city has caught up to what was already happening on the real estate front. I think what is troubling about it is like what you and I talked about with this restaurant we, we talked about meeting up at where it's like it's above average food. The experience is pretty good. The ambiance is sort of like everything is now, which is this sort of industrial. I'm going to pretend like this used to be a garage where you're eating. Right. It's a new construction, <laughs> old garage. <Great>. Eating it. <laughs> but it's also like an old garage that's like got like, I don't know, you know, um, hammered steel walls and stuff. Like it's just insane. Right. And it's like you go in there and to have like a burger or, you know, a club sandwich or some shit and like two beers is going to be like $40. And that's out of reach for like a significant portion of the population. And I, it does just seem like that widening of the wealth gap is problematic in the sense that I feel like, you know, it's no, it's no uh, secret that the middle class is, is disappearing and we're sort of watching it happen right in front of us here, which the, with, with this sort of, can you afford to buy a house or not? And that's really, the, that's the dividing line. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really wide chasm between the folks that can and can't. But there are the people who did, and the people who would perhaps benefit from rising prices and improving neighborhoods that perhaps they could sell at some point and and move i don't know to say to move further out but again it comes back to our transit argument if the transit's good then you can then you have more choices in terms of where you want to live or where you can live yeah. But there's this the the idea that that I don't blame people who own a small single family house near the city already are don't want more dense housing to be built all around them or to have other people build additional houses on small lots, which is another one of those things that I, people yeah, are I pushing lived in that for. I lived I lived through that with having an apartment in those neighborhoods. Yeah, where people who have who can find the enough space on their lot to build a 1200 square foot apartment or another house can do that. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're, they're continually loosening up those, those, those regulations. So people can do that, which increases the density. But if I'm living next door to somebody and in their backyard, they slapped out a 1200 foot house that they're going to rent out to people. I don't know if I'm going to be happy about that. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to piss off my neighbors when I develop that second lot that I own. It's right next to their house. <laughs> but it's a full-size lot. Still. But, but the, 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 difference being, the difference being people are doing that on lots that perhaps were not intended for additional housing. It is a for house sure. and a backyard, and then people are taking their backyard and building an apartment. For sure. I remember living in the neighborhood and looking at these, those, those townhomes where it's like, there was, uh, there was a trend to build like one big unit that was like the nicest one. And there was like two, Uh two sort of duplexy almost units. They weren't, they didn't share walls, but they were really close together and much more townhomey. And I just remember looking at the prices even back in like 2005 and six and be like, I can't believe you got to pay this much for this. Right. The three story townhome that's super skinny. Like there's one, there's one room on each floor. Yeah. And you have to go up and down. And my favorite one is the townhome where I don't understand how you can back a car out of the garage. 
Those are the worst. I have you seen a those? Of those. Yes, it's like, it's, I can't live here. It's one. It's like it's barely a car wide yeah. the driveway, and then there's garage doors that are back to back. I have, unless you're driving a Yaris, you're, <laughs> there's no possible way you are backing in and out of that particular garage. No, no chance. No way. I, I, st- I see those townhomes and I just chuckle. I I don't know how that works. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. You can only yeah, you can only you probably can only back in, and it's just a nightmare all the time. All right, so for our final topic tonight, uh, it's it is March Madness. It is literally by the time this show posts, games will have started. Um, I did not fill out a bracket this year because I don't give a shit. <laughs> I feel bad about that. <laughs> we'll but, get to that. We'll get to that in the next. We'll get that. We'll come back to that. Bit. Um, but I know that you had some thoughts about, well, it sort of stemmed from the NBA announcing a couple weeks back that they're getting more involved with the youth, ba- youth basketball programs and, uh, and wanting to develop more of a minor league and sort of recognizing that the current system is broken, obviously exacerbated by what's going on with, for some reason, the FBI choosing to investigate non-crimes um, in order to do the bidding of the NCAA. <laughs> right. um, but what did you have to say about the topic, Chris? The... First of all, the NCAA is just an awful, awful organization. I mean, I think they were they were there to protect. What were they there to protect? <laughs> Why did they were created? What to 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 regulate college athletics? But what's well, it? It's somewhere a unifying along, body. It's it's for cross conference competition. But at some point, they figured out how to make shitloads of money. Sure. And then once they figured that out, it was. <laughs> they, I don't know. They they seem to have lost their way, but it's almost like you're describing everything in America. Well, yeah, but I think that m- no sport um, in America is more, I think, able to adapt a club system like European football. Not that I called it football. Then the NC, then then the NBA. I think the NBA is the only sport that they could really start doing club level things like in certain cities to create academies and have young people come there to play and to learn and to go to school and become professional, become professional basketball players at a young age and then matriculate up to play in the NBA. Uh So if I'm the LA Lakers, they'd have a huge, if there was the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers and they had junior academies where they could take, young people from Los Angeles yeah. and or recruit from wherever because you're going to pay them. So if you're going to have a 14-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids or even younger than that come to their academies for free to learn how to play basketball at a high level, just ace out the whole AAU thing and and let's just get on with it. Let's 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 create really great basketball players. If you've ever seen YouTube videos of the U12 Barcelona team. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen have you ever seen videos oh, yeah, of these sure. kids? They are unbelievable. And I think that in America the NBA should start adopting that club mentality where where you have NBA teams and they are creating academies for young people and then at some point pay them. And then which leads me to my second piece where I always feel like in a salary cap league, the the draft is dumb. 
like if I need if so if I'm if I'm the NBA if I have a salary cap, you know what's the point? I think and we may have covered this before, but but there's no point in it. I just if I need a if I need a power forward, <laughs> I should be able to pay whatever the market demands to get a power forward or a point guard or whatever. Right. And I as a basketball player should be able to put myself on the market and get whatever a team can pay for me. If a team has $20 million to spend on me, they should be able to spend $20 million on me or whatever. But, but as you, as you create this, if you create a club mentality, then it becomes, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I attract the best talent? Well, I have a a program that trains them to be the best at their sport that they can be. And it pays them money. Mm -hmm. And we just, and we're just done with this whole one and done sham, which is, which yeah. Which is just which, which so for college sports, it just makes no sense to have one and dones because they don't they do amazing athletic things, but they don't play good basketball. Generally not, no. And so you up the level of you up the quality of play for both the pros and college. So it's, I'm not saying get rid of college basketball, but it becomes. It becomes the other way to get to the pros, not the main way to get to the pros, because they're already right. identifying they're already identifying players who are going to play at a pro level by the time they're in high school. Yeah, so, what you're describing is the baseball model, right? And depending on the kind of player you are, it makes sense to either go to college for a couple of years and, and you end up in the MLB, or you go straight to the minors, and that doesn't always work out for you. Um, well, there's no they, sure things. It's sports. No, no. I, I'm not sure. I, I think I mean, it's, it boils down to, you know, it's it's people who are making money trying to protect an investment and not wanting to give it up. Like, regardless of what the circumstances or the outcomes might be, it's like, well, we're making all this money, and ultimately that's all we care about, even though we're never going to say that. So we're going to make up all these excuses um, for why we can't make any change so that we can continue to make all this money. So billionaire Chris Villasenor's idea is that I would buy... I would own, let's say I owned a team. Let's say I own the Orlando Magic. Okay. It's a good that's a fine team to own. I like Florida. <laughs> I don't but like what, Orlando. But, but at what point but at what point does one of these owners go ahead and just buy a European team? What if I what if I bought a team in Spain? Yeah, you should. Right. So let's say I buy a team in Spain. They've got good they've got good basketball in Spain. I buy yeah. an okay team in Spain. And I don't buy the championship team in Spain, but I buy an okay team in Spain. And what if I start grabbing high school kids like <laughs> instead of going to Lithuania, <laughs> you can come to Spain where it's nice and you know, maybe you want to play 3 years for me in Spain. I'll pay you. I'll pay you. You know, 250,000 a year or whatever whatever they're paying players in spain you play for me for three years you know maybe i win some championships in spain and then you then you come back to the then you come back to the the united states as a free agent maybe i hire you <laughs> I, maybe you come play for my team maybe you come play for the orlando magic there's a system though where like the euros have to be available for the draft like okay. i don't know what the you can't okay, just sign so them out right so you come back and then you you get yourself back in the draft but but i i'm you know at some point Someone's going to figure this out. Someone's going to say, I'm going to go ahead and just buy a team in Spain. And I'm going to go ahead and just take one and dones instead of one and dones. I'm going to pick them up when they're juniors, sophomores, or juniors in high school. And I'm going to put them in my academy in Spain. 
and you know, I'm going to create an environment which they can flourish, which is a little more Americanized. Yeah, you know? and and give them and give them food and give them an environment that's slightly more familiar. But then they can play basketball for a living. Yeah, it's you say that because uh, I was speaking with our friend Josh about a very similar topic tonight, where I said if I was a college player and I was in a situation where I wasn't a guaranteed lottery pick, but I was most likely going to make the league, but I was definitely going to need at least a year in college, if not two. I'd probably skip it and go play in Europe um, and make money. And, and actually, I think the conditioning from a character perspective, living abroad for a couple of years is probably going to be really good for you when you're going to have to come back and make millions of dollars and travel around the country all the time. Yeah. Um, Josh's argument was that the, uh, a lot of the guys that might come from you know uh, difficult socioeconomic standards or kind of a hard time living abroad and, and, and would, would struggle to adjust and it might be more harm, do more harm than good. And I, you know, we got into a talk about, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not taking all that into account. I'm just sort of railing against the unfairness that is the NCAA. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that, and then we talked about that the NBA needs to take the, the Gleague, the G, the G League. The Gleague. But yeah, we, we enjoyed when we looked it up that uh, the URL is gleague.nba.com, but it's gleague, all one word. So it says gleague.nba.com. I like it. Yeah, so we thought that'd be fun too. You could say, you know, we could if you were one of those guys who was leaving high school to go to the Gleague instead of the NCAA, you tell your friends, oh, oh no, I'm not going to college. Uh, I made the Gleague. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, you you going to L.A. or Boston? No, man, I'm going to uh, Wichita. Uh, Maine. Cause I'm going the, to I said Portland. Gleague. I'm going, <laughs> to Port- I'm, Port- I'm going to Portland, Maine or wherever. No, right. the Gleague, is, the Gleague is awful. The Gleague is awful because they don't pay them anything, and you yeah. have to play in these shitbox towns. That you should know. be fine, though. But that, that's like to but, speak to your. But you could. But the other thing is, Australia's paying real money. Right. The Australian league teams are paying real money for American kids to come down and play for yeah. a couple of years, and I would do that for sure, because Australia is essentially America. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a lot of the, you know, they've got a lot of the same. You don't have to learn a new language. Like if you go to Spain, you've got to learn a, a language and stuff. So that's sure. But Spain's a little closer. But I'm just saying, if I was, but if I was the owner of the Orlando Magic, and then I would, I would get a team from Spain because I could be able to fly people back and forth. It would be much. It would be very simple for me to do that. Well, but I think that uh, I think that I think that that basketball uh, and um, unlike any other sport in America. Uh, is really open to this kind of a this kind of a model, and I hope they I hope somebody gets the nards up to 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 do it. Sounds to me like another globalist agenda setting out to destroy a fine American tradition. <laughs> we get better <laughs> basketball, better basketball Look, hey, players equals better basketball. You're not getting any pushback from me. Right? <laughs> well, speaking of basketball, as we wrap up the show tonight and head into the overtime segment. What did you... So you say brackets are stupid. stupid. Brackets are dumb. dumb. Brackets are dumb. Take your $10, wipe your butt with it, and then throw it in the throw it in the garbage in the street or flush it down the toilet or whatever. Yeah. Because I've been in like ba- spitting distance like twice in my life and like 20 years doing brackets. Even when Never. I like was... Even when I was super into it and followed every... The whole national picture and knew a shit ton. You can't. You, you're, you're better off. You're better off just taking your money and throwing it in the toilet because or you know or doing real gambling there there are just gamble on the individual games you want to gamble it's a community come on it's a community exercise it it's it's dumb (laughs) then 
then do it for fun and don't do it for money. From a from a gambler's perspective, you, there are many. There are so many better ways to 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 spend your gambling money. I got gambling money, and if you've got it, don't put it on a bracket because. Because you don't watch college games. <laughs> That's not the point, though, right? What's the point, then? What's the point of this? The, what, tell me what the, that we should... Why don't we take our $10 and go down to the, the bar and buy beers with it? I don't know. It doesn't last four days to you know <laughs> talk to Sally in accounting about the temple upset in the... I can't, be- I can't believe they lost. <laughs> like, you've, like you've seen any games. Like... like all the people, all the trillions of dollars they get. What's the gro- there's a hilarious gross? Oh, it's it's like billions of dollars. Billions of dollars that yeah. people put in on brackets, and five of those people have actually watched more than three games. Then it sounds to me like the greatest racket in the world. I don't understand why these these hosting sites don't take a vig. <laughs> because they if, believe me, if it was legal, if they legally could, they would. But let me tell you what, kids, if you're gonna. You know, if you're gonna gamble some money, find a blackjack table or a craps table. You know, go with the go with the low house edge game. Or if you want to bet sports, bet individual games. Bet the individual games. You're better off. You're better. You you might win. Yeah, and you know, if you want to take twenty dollars and put it on one piece of paper and flush it down the toilet, then bet a ten team parlay. <laughs> Again, it's you're better off. You're better off betting, a, instead of the whole bracket, betting yeah, betting three or four games. Yeah, you'd be better to, off. You would to, really be better to, off taking a ten dollar entry fee, and putting it into a five team parlay. Yeah. All right, I agree. Okay, so brackets are stupid, so I don't feel bad about not doing one. No, you don't have to feel you don't have to feel bad about it at all. And then again, you don't have to sit around lamenting that your brackets busted. On but I better go Twitter. call my bookie. <laughs> I would never lament this, about my bracket is, being busted is, on Twitter this, like an asshole. Is, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, these the tweets are going to come fast and furious as the as the week goes on. Oh, my what? brackets! My brackets a shit disaster. I also uh. tweet about my fantasy football team because I'm not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> because Sorry, it, assholes. Because it doesn't really matter. But the uh, but you know. I did throw. I did throw. I did throw some money down on a uh, on a masters bet. Oh yeah. Yeah. You back in uh, Eldrick? Eldrick at ten to one. You got to be kidding me. Forget that's ridiculous. <laughs> he, I know he played okay last week, but for his his odds changed twice on Saturday. Of course, people are getting because it, it's about it's about maintaining the balance, right? It's about making money because yeah. the suckers the suckers are throwing money at tiger at 10 to 1 i look for if you're not if you're not at least 20 to 1 or 40 to 1 i'm I'm not even i'm not even looking at you i got i got mark leishman at 35 to 1 i like it and and i i thought that was a pretty that that name jumped out at me we'll see how he does this week he's defending he's defending this week at the arnold palmer and so if he plays well this week I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get pretty excited. If he yeah, top, I, have in the, I have him in the fantasy this week. Leisure. If he top, if he top tens me here, I'm gonna feel pretty good about. I'm gonna get excited for the Masters because I could use a. I could use a 35 to one pop on, uh, on my bet. All right, so we've uh, we've devolved into our weekly golf segment, and I think that means it's time <laughs> to wrap up the show. 
<laughs> it's about sports betting, people. It is. Throw, well, thank you for throw your down insight, a, Chris. Throw down, a, throw down a single bet on. Throw down a single bet on something instead of your dumb bracket. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to Two on Three podcast. We'll be back next week with more thrilling content. <laughs> what are you saying? It's not thrilling. People love this show. Hey, well, you think I'm being sarcastic? Yes. You have sort of a natural sarcasm. It's just my, it's just my gift. <laughs> Peace out, my brother. Peace. On a warm summer's evening. On a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, Son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were. By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bombed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser And the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window Crushed out his cigarette Faded off to sleep And somewhere in the darkness The gambler he broke even But in his final words I found an ace that I could keep You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold them When to hold Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold up. No.